Would you kindly shut your noise hole? Fuck me, man. I am never going to financially recover from this. Welcome back to Blockchain for Beginners podcast. If you're interested in voting on future episodes, asking questions to our guests, and engaging in community, then be sure to join our Discord or our Facebook group. The links are in the description. We're also a media partner with Canada's largest blockchain conference, the Futurist Conference, and we're giving away a discount on tickets. You will receive a 25% discount if you use the code BEGINNERS25 at checkout. This conference is in Toronto, Ontario from August 9th to 10th. It's going to be super fun. I'm going to be there interviewing people and showing behind the scenes and bringing my audience along with me. But if you want to be there in person for their blockchain boot camp, to see the speakers, to engage in community and for the VIP party, then be sure to uh, book your tickets and use our discount code. So again, it is beginners25. Today I'm talking to Josh from Unstoppable Domains. It's a really great conversation about the differences between Web 2 and Web 3. We dive into so many things, so we'll just get right to it. Here is the interview. Welcome, Josh, to Blockchain for Beginners podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I just wanted to start by, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the Web 3 space? Totally, yeah. Thanks for having me. Love to be on these podcasts. I run a podcast myself, so it's always fun to get to answer questions instead of just asking them all the time. But I work for a Web3 company called Unstoppable Domains. I've been in like the Web3 space full-time for about four months now. It was really a goal of mine in 2021 to figure out how I can make this like my full-time job in 2022. So I run content and podcasting over at Unstoppable. We make NFT domains, which is really something like your version of a digital identity, your Web3 identity across the internet uh, has a lot of functionality. And I'd, I'd love to dive into like why I'm personally so excited about digital identity and, and how NFT domains are like a use case in Web3 that I think is often overlooked, but could be very important. So, um, but, but before I got into podcasting, I worked in virtual reality, like consulting. I, I was doing data science. So I was kind of more on the technical spectrum. And now I've moved to the content side of the house. So I really view like education as a driver for adoption in crypto. And that's what makes me excited is just to have these kinds of conversations because there's so many questions. I mean, I'm my closest friends are asking me questions every single day and talking about NFTs is like a, an ongoing conversation and until you really kind of clicks for you. So I'm always excited to, to have that conversation because I it excites me and I think it's uh, pretty important. That's exciting. And um, my first question uh, before getting into like identity, I wanted to ask what uh, do you see as the difference between web two and web three? Yeah, you know, a very common description that I see online and that I don't know if anyone on the other guests have talked about with you before is with web two, it's kind of talked about as read and write. So from the technical side, you can read from a website and then the write means I can publish to the internet. So the internet's really given us this ability to read and write at scale. And with Web3, now we can read, write, and own. So I view digital, um, I view NFTs and crypto, like what crypto gave us is scarcity on the internet. And what NFTs gave us was the ability to provably own digital assets for the first time. 
I got to say that again, like NFTs allow us to provably own digital assets. And so with Web3, it allows you not just to read, not just to write and publish like articles and blog posts and write could also mean publishing like um, NFTs and minting them. And now we can own these articles. We can own these digital assets. And once you add this ownership layer, it brings so many other things into the equation. Digital property rights. Like what does it mean to um, own digital land? What does it mean to own a digital name? And so with more of, a, more of our time going digital, I mean, personally, I don't know. I'm, so I think I got to actually add this up. But I mean, I definitely spend over 50% of my time per day online. And when more of our lives go digital, all of a sudden, I think that the, the, the need for being able to own these things that we're interacting with and using become more important. So that's how I view the difference between Web 2 and 3. Now, I have saw on your Twitter that uh, when you were talking about domains that you said that there was a comparison between how people don't know IP addresses now and I thought that was quite clever. So um, maybe we can segue from that. Like what parallels of Web2 domains are there and why do you think the identity piece is so important? Yeah, you know, when you talk about a, when you talk about domains, just the easiest thing to compare to is a normal Web2 domain. Um, although they're so different. So a Web2 domain, google.com, facebook.com, like my website, that I have, you know, a little blog on joshegordon.com. Like that's your web two domain. And in web three, your domain is um, like joshgordon.crypto to be carly.x. And these domains have a lot of functionalities. Yes, you can host a decentralized website. But to be honest, even though that's a capability and a feature we have with our NFT domains, it's really not the greatest value proposition. So the one single biggest reason why someone might want an NFT domain is because it provides human readable names for your wallet address. So sending crypto to OXB1753889E, like my public ETH address, that's ridiculous. If that's, I said in my Twitter thread, like if that's the starting point, you've already lost the battle with like crypto skeptics. So I believe like to get to crypto and Web3 mass adoption, um, NFT, crypto transactions need to be easier. And so at the, at the, the highest level, an NFT domain allows you to send crypto to josh.crypto instead, instead of a wallet address. That reduces the friction of transacting and just makes it easier. Sending crypto to a long hex wallet address that has, that's alphanumeric is complicated. And it's actually more dangerous because there's a big, it, it just makes it so much easier to make a mistake. So the human readable names is just such a big thing. And then, you know, the comparison to IP addresses is back in the day, honestly, before I really was even using the internet, um, you know, IP addresses for most people that don't know, like google.com is actually like a human readable name for like an IP address, which is like one, 127.0.1.10, like something like that. And so Google.com gives you an easy to type in way to interact with the, with the internet. So just like people couldn't tell you the IP address today of any of the internet websites we use, I think in five, 10 years, 
nobody's going to be able to tell you their wallet address. It's not even going to be something we think about because we're going to be using NFT domains uh, instead. Can you go into a little bit more about uh, the benefits? Like you can add multiple wallets to one domain and, and stuff like that? Yeah. There, so I'd say this is like a two-part answer. What first part is there's a lot of, there's a lot of different features that come with an NFT domain. And at least that like, we're not, I work at unstoppable domains. We're definitely not the only person working on it. Like the only company team project, like working on this. Um, so I think you're going to see these features get expanded more and more. Um, I'm so ex honestly, like, I'm so excited to see these features get built out, but for the first one, yes, you can attach like 250 different wallet addresses or token addresses to your domain. So we call that, um, like indirection, uh, being able to attach multiple crypto addresses across different networks and wallets to one domain. So instead of having my instead of sending you my bitcoin address and then it's sending you my ethereum address and then sending you my matic address all separately i just got to give you josh josh.crypto and then when you plug that into your wallet to send um whichever coin you're sending that should come to re come to my domain and get redirected to my wallet addresses i heard um i heard that gary v was talking about wallets and airdropping and said that that's going to be the next evolution of email. Do you think that is accurate? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, I think that's a complex. So I don't think that we're going to be interacting with our wallet every day. Um, and the reason I say that is I think your wallet can be thought of almost as a folder on your desktop. Like it's like a folder that says, hold all my things. And it's simply, you just dump your things in it. But it's not something that we're necessarily going to be using day in and day out, where like these NFT domains give you so much more flexibility to add data to your domain. Like it, it really makes it more usable by, by being able to attach data to your address versus just a wallet, which holds things. So do I think we're gonna be airdropping things into a wallet? Yeah, I do think people are gonna be airdropping. Um, Although we're seeing some issues with that right now, you know, I can airdrop anything to anyone's wallet and it's like, that's almost a version of spam. So I think that just the simple ability to airdrop while on principle, it's a, at its core, it's like a really good way to quickly gain adoption or a user base or even just eyeballs on a project. Because if I drop my NFT to 50,000 people, or if I airdrop my NFT to the 10 biggest NFT whales, oh my gosh, all of a sudden, Gary V, like I can send Gary V my NFT right now and everyone's going to see it in his wallet, but he may not want it. He may not want that displayed. It could be associated with like a, a malicious account. It could be intrusion. So to be honest, I think we're going to see some, I don't know what it is. Like we're, we're years away from crypto regulation still. <laughs> we're probably even further away from rules around airdropping. But I do think airdrop, just airdropping things to people who haven't consented is going to be almost a version of like opt-in or opt-out in email. Um, and so using probably using your digital identity like NFT domain, there's there's better ways to go about that. Um, to go about that. So one thing we one feature that are gonna that's going to be a, a thing with NFT domains is what I call permissioning. So you can 
you should be able to have agency and decision around your data and how you monetize or give it away. So in, instead of just airdropping things, projects are probably going to be asking to collect your address. Like, hey, if you want to be open to airdrops, opt in here instead of just saying we drop it to everybody. So there's probably going to be like layers to it eventually. But uh, right now, airdropping is a great way to quickly gain a project and, and share it to, you know, a thousand people, a million people. So, yeah. On that note of like um, privacy and, and data, um, the EU had proposed the unhosted wallet ban. Um, and I was wondering what that might do for anonymity in terms of um, like domains and, and wallet addresses. So uh, how do you think that domains play a role in that? And do we still, are we still able to have anonymity or pseudonymity? Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not too familiar with that regulation that came out. Um, but in general, my response is, I think decentralization is not about an anonymity. I think decentralization is about security. And uh, right now there's a really big conversation focus actually on like, if you're on crypto Twitter, yeah, you're gonna see a lot of people who are operating under an, an, an anonymous or can't even say the word right now, like <laughs> pseudonymous, is that it? Yeah, is that it? Um, it? It doesn't roll off the tongue easy. Um, there's a lot of people who have the, who are not operating underneath their name, which is great. I think it's interesting. I think that talking from an, uh, an anonymous voice or without people just knowing your true identity almost gives you a little bit more freedom to say what you want. Um, but, but yeah, at the same time, I, I just don't think that this decentralization is just about being anonymous. It's, it's about security of information and, and giving people a platform to um, speak on where we can, tr we can trust the transactions coming through. Sometimes those transactions is money Sometimes that those transactions are communication and being able to have a verifiable communication chain allows you to eventually, we're in the early stages of this, add reputation on top of the things you say. So I'm much more interested in seeing innovation around, like I want to be able to publish blog posts mm -hmm. and sign it with my name, like my, my web three name. And and that shows everybody reading it, the source that it came from. It shows the owner of that article. And over time, maybe there's a reputation score associated with it. People can see Josh wrote 100 articles and none of them have been flagged for like false information. Whereas right now, when you read any article on the internet, you don't know if it's been copy or pasted by someone. Um, you don't know their history of posting and how accurate it's been. And so that's kind of, I think I kind of danced around that subject a little bit of like our wallets just gonna be anonymous, but um, I think we're gonna have, everyone will have multiple wallets for different reasons, almost just like you have different bank accounts, uh, different emails, they'll be used for different things, but maybe, maybe some of them won't be associated with just your real name, but in the end of the day, yeah, I'm, I'm just much less interested about anonymity and much more interested about security and, um, reputation yeah that's an interesting so it's kind of like more about data um you know data ownership and then that was a question that i had when you were talking earlier um because i was thinking about like 
you know, when you publish things online, podcasting, you're like publishing your podcast and it's going on to different streaming platforms, right? Um, and yeah. for like your blog, um, I saw for unstoppable domains, I, I have two domains right now, which you can build, you can build like a website from your domain, right? You can, yeah. <laughs> so is that kind of what you're talking about with you publish a blog on there or do you mean just publishing a blog in general? I think I'm more talking about in general. And right now there's just like publishing your blogs in general and connecting it with your NFT domain integrations like just aren't there. Um, I've used Mirror before, which is like a, a writing publishing tool. Um, and it's interesting there because then all, all of a sudden my my name's attached to it that's linked that i mean that that wallet address is is linked to me and you can go then do kind of deep dives into everything i wrote but uh yeah eventually i do think that generally the pieces of content we put out online are going to be linked back to to your identity um the pieces of content you put out online are going to be looked at as scarce digital assets, scarce digital property. And that doesn't mean they're worth millions of dollars. It doesn't mean people are gonna be buying them as NFTs for a couple thousand. It really has less to do with their, being a scarce digital asset doesn't necessarily make it worth a lot because what happens when you have, when everything's a scarce digital asset, it's, it's like, maybe I shouldn't even be using the word scarce, we're going it, to, it just means it's a, it's a unique piece. Um, it's a unique digital asset and we're going to have hundreds of thousands and millions of them. You know, there's, I saw a stat, there's as many, there's as many websites on the, there's as many NFTs right now as there were websites in 2010, I think is a stat I saw. And, but just, but most websites on the internet don't get traffic. Most websites on the internet aren't active. Most NFTs won't have an actual monetary value, but they still allow us to have a provable record of history and linked back to a provable identity. And that's, I think that's important. Yeah, that's actually really, really interesting because right now um, you publish things all over, right? Like you could publish on Medium or just your content goes everywhere, but you don't actually have it bringing you back to one place unless um, you may be linking all of your platforms down below but people still would have to go to each one so that's kind of interesting that you're kind of you're, you're building a database that's that's all linked because it is a database so that's kind of cool um yeah, yeah <laughs> I like that yeah I have that question about the building like what are you able to build now and how do you see that evolving in the future in um, terms of what are, what are you able to build with an nft domain yeah yeah so with an NFT domain right now, you are able to build a decentralized website. Um, just like any Web3 product or application or NFT, you can, it's called composability. So you can build on top of it without our permission, without like unstoppable domains permission. So right now we're working on integrations with applications. So like how many how many web two and web three applications can we integrate being able to log in with your NFT domain? Can we integrate being able to have a profile with your NFT domain or associate data to your NFT domain? So we've got a full business development team um, and it's growing 
I'm, when I joined like three, four months ago, Unstoppable was like 90 people. Now we're like 170 people. So we're growing really fast. Um, tons of people working on business development partnerships to create more of those integrations. So I'd say like that's more of our focus right now versus just like us. Unstoppable is not going to be building out every single thing that you can use with your domain. We, we built the domain infrastructure and now we're trying to figure out how we can extend that functionality to a broader network. Um, and at the same time, encourage developers in the ecosystem to build on top of it if you want. If you want to build an app that um, uses some kind of identity layer, you can integrate with unstoppable domains on your own. Um, we also can provide help. But uh, so that's kind of my answer to that. But we're thinking about in the long run, we're thinking about data marketplaces, we're thinking about identity and reputation, maybe badges, you know, things like that. Uh, so definitely have a lot in the works. The reputation one, I do think is really big. And I want to just touch on it one more time because I, I think it is really, really big. Uh, right now we have people that, like I've worked behind the scenes for different, uh, I don't know what, what I would call it, like marketing and, and building things. And actually I was really surprised there's people that I've worked for who their engagement is, is real. Their content is theirs. You know, all the things that are publishing is like their own voice. And then there's other people who it's um, a lot of fake engagement, a lot of like content that's like repurposed and not really theirs. And so that like reputation piece is really, really interesting to me because it would, I think it might limit uh, people maybe like stealing other people's content and, um, you know, having like a real, you know, reputation as opposed to some other stuff that's going on, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated about reputation just because it's something we haven't seen. And I'm seeing more and more people talk about it, like more companies, um, more, there's people building, um, trying to build decentralized social networks. And that, rep, that reputation score that you carry around with you is, is so interesting. Um, I just, I, I put a lot of my thoughts around NFT domains and whatnot in a, in a thread that I honestly, so I can refer back to it time and time again. And something I said in there about reputation is we guard our reputation in real life very closely, but online, we can't track our reputation across the thousands of likes, comments, posts, and other actions we make on the internet. Build your online reputation and carry that social graph with you around the web and own it. And so when an easy way to kind of make that comparison is on Twitter, I have X amount of followers. When I go to Instagram, none of those people carry over with me or none of the, all the, there's, there's got, there's gotta be a better way than maybe I've gotten a thousand likes on my tweets in the history of my Twitter. There's gotta be a way to associate that with a reputation so that when I then go to the next social media platform, it's like, okay, Josh has good, we can trust Josh around web three commentary, maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. And building that connection and that reputation system is so complex and it's going to take time. Something we're thinking about, something others are thinking about, but also there's even another layer to it is just because, just because unstoppable domains gives you a reputation score. Now, how, does that mean anything um, to another app? Like, 
there could be a there could be a, a brand new app started tomorrow that starts making reputation, but how do they become the de facto layer to it? So, or the de facto stamp of approval on your identity is good or something like that. So yeah. building these into like building decentralization in a way that can be tracked to your identity while still doing it so in a decentralized way that can get input from like other parties is probably the trick here. But um, I think it's gonna be worked on. Yeah, that definitely, I feel like that's just clicked for me kind of like how you can own your own reputation. I feel like you said that before, but didn't click until now, like you own your own reputation as opposed to different platforms kind of owning it because that's where all your followers are and everything. Um, Yeah. That's huge. You think that um, the website is going to continue, like what we see now with 2D, do you think that has a place in Web3 or do you think it's all going to be more like we're using... uh, I know I'm talking about websites, but like we're, we're seeing that kind of thing, but it's in AR more in VR, like we're immersed in it more where it's a 3D thing rather than a 2D thing. Yeah. So that kind of brings up more of like, what's the metaverse? Um, there's a really good, I talked to this guy named Sean Purry and, and he had a really good thread about the metaverse being less of a digital first experience and more about just being a point in time where our digital lives become as important, if not more important than our physical lives. So when it comes to websites, are they going to all be 3D or are we going to interact with the web just in VR or AR? Probably not. Do I think AR and VR are like going to be more broadly adopted hundred percent, especially because I worked in the field for like four years, but um, it really is with with the AR VR integration, I think it comes down to more of a, it's a hardware problem. The hardware is still getting, like the hardware is getting better year after year, almost to the point where as a consumer, why would I want to buy an Oculus Quest today when it's probably going to be like a lot better next year. Um, And that's even more so for AR, Uh, like the AR devices, you can't wear them all day right now you can't wear that hollow lens on your head all day long and uh it's it's not it doesn't work necessarily there's another another issue with it is that broadband and internet you can't just like walk outside and get fast enough internet connections to ar headsets today that allow uh, seamless digital experiences so there's this internet issue there's a hardware issue but in the comfort of your own home yeah, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more VR usage, but uh, also just browsing the web on your computer is way easier. So I like to think about things around the level of friction that we have in place to do something. If there's friction, it's going to immediately cause like a barrier to people. So that's going back to like the NFT domains. I said an NFT domain reduces the friction of transacting because instead of a hex address, we have a name address. So when you ask me about internet websites, I almost say that going VR for a website or going AR for a website, probably not going to happen because it's just a better experience on the computer. But going VR for an experience or AR for an experience, I think is probably like more high likelihood in the near future. Yeah. Um, and what do you think gives Web3, like you're working in the Web3 space now, what do you enjoy most about it? Like what gives it meaning for you? Yeah, great question. 
I think what gives me some meaning in Web3 right now is the excitement and the energy I feel from my colleagues and just the broader community I interact with on social media. Uh, for when I was working in Web2, like as a data scientist, I was always distracted by like crypto and NFTs and innovation happening in that space. It was, it was really like constantly on my mind and I didn't even realize, but it led to me being just going through my day-to-day -day work in a distracted manner, hard to focus. Now that I'm working in crypto every day, I actually feel so much more laser focused because the thing that I was distracted by is the thing I'm now working on. And so that, that's, that's brought me meaning is simply being able to focus on my interests. And there really hasn't been a technology revolution that has energized people to this scale. And really part of the reason that there's all this energy, like climate tech is important. Not Like the whole internet isn't talking about climate tech. Even like AR, VR, important and so cool, like mind-blowingly cool. But the whole internet isn't going crazy, talk, like being just VR maxis. With crypto, it's a totally different thing. And uh, someone told me this recently, like crypto is like religion. And part of that is because there's all these incentive structures associated with like being supportive of it. And it's this, it's this game where we've combined technology that can change the way we use the internet with incentive structures around tokens and, and NFTs. And also like this community aspect where people are all advocating and it's, a crypto incentivizes early adoption. Being an early user of a protocol, of a network, of a project always leads to benefits. It's this like, um, it's this ground up growth versus Web2, which is much more you build and then try to shove it down people's throats, like top down for adoption, where crypto like starts small and it, it grows bigger as it grows bigger and the network grows more valuable as adoption increases. So like the early people benefit um, but yeah, so it's, it's just this energy thing associated with it. I, I've, I'm, I've always liked working on a team. And for me, working in crypto has felt like the biggest team I've ever been a part of because it's not just the people on unstoppable domains. It's, everybody, it's honestly just everyone who is interacting with NFTs and crypto because we're all advocates for the same like system and value-based like ideology. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Um, I, I spoke with Dan Held and I followed him on uh, Twitter, and I was like, "This is like the." I would call him like the epitome of like a Bitcoin maxi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, hard <laughs> hardcore Bitcoin maxi, but you know, I love it. Um, but like that energy and um, basically, you know, the the way that people think and and people get adopted into the space. And what switched for me was like, when I started like really learning about you know, money and, and crypto and, and game theory and all that stuff. Um, and so I said last question, but this is like my last question. Like when, when um, do you think was the shift for you? Like when you were like, yeah, this is actually it. Like, this is the future. When was that shift that it kind of like clicked? Mm. So, I mean, I've been investing in like crypto tokens, like Bitcoin and Ethereum since 2017. But I think that things really changed with NFTs because that's when the community aspect got brought into it. And 
there's probably a bunch of moments along my timeline where things click more and more, but probably the one I have to go back to is just NBA Top Shot. I started buying NBA Top Shots in like January, 2021 with my roommates. And that was the first time I was like, oh shit, everyone's excited about this. NFTs just made crypto feel tangible and, um, and also community driven. Like it's when pe- people that buy Bitcoin, you're like, oh, or Ethereum, like these maxis you talk about, like, oh, Bitcoin is so cool. But all this, but it's just like the Bitcoin that I have and the Bitcoin you have, they're, they're fungible, they're interchangeable. They, they are not unique to me or you. And it's, so we just all think this broader, it's like saying, it's like saying, oh, Nike is so cool. But all of a sudden you get a pair of Nike shoes that are on your feet and you're like, yo, these shoes are cool. And NBA Top Shots, all of a sudden we just, it just brought this like collectible vision to the masses. And me and my roommates had so much fun collecting and trading and just it started kicking off all these creative ideas around what nfts could be so yeah it was it was like the top shot wave and i think that's for a lot of nft collectors who are early in the space because it just exploded like for a couple for a couple months and brought a lot of people in yeah and so um where can people find you and you know unstoppable domains i'll link everything down below yeah my twitter is at just wavy j so i go by just wavy j on all my socials i tweet about web three identity. And I also run a podcast called the unstoppable podcast, um, on all streaming platforms. So definitely would appreciate anyone giving the unstoppable podcast. The listen comes out weekly, connect with me on Twitter, always on there. Happy to answer questions and just get conversations about all these topics that you're talking about. And then as far as unstoppable domains, our, uh, our Twitter handles, uh, unstoppable web. And yeah, you can just search unstoppable domains online and get yourself an NFT domain. It's, I think it's probably the cheapest NFT that you can buy and probably one of the more useful ones too. Yeah. I saw the range and it's like, you can get one from like $5 up to a hundred dollars. So yeah. It's pretty cheap. Tell me another NFT you can buy for $5. <laughs> I don't know. And it's yours, right? Like you don't have to pay recurring fees every year. So no, no recurring fees. You buy once own forever. Uh, definitely different than some of our competitors where you pay kind of yearly renewal fees. And in my mind, paying a renewal fee for a domain is not equal to ownership. So it's definitely a big like value that we have at Unstoppable is true ownership. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Carly. Talk later.